0: Hello again everyone and welcome back to Cotton Grower Magazine's Cotton Companion Podcast. This is Jim Steadman, Senior Editor of Cotton Grower, and quite a bit has happened in the cotton industry over the past two weeks, and we're going to try to cover as much of it as we can in this episode. We've had the National Cotton Council's annual meeting with new officers elected for the council and its affiliated organizations. It's always an impressive event to attend, and this year's meeting certainly didn't lack for good information and discussion. Later in this podcast, we're going to visit with Ted Schneider. He's the incoming NCC chairman for 2022. Uh, And Ted's certainly realizing that cotton has a lot on its plate right now, and, and he's ready to get to work. And within the past week, we've also seen news from Bayer about some problems with glyphosate production for this year. And even though it appears to be a temporary issue, any delays in getting product to the market will likely be problematic for areas of the cotton belt where planting begins here within the next few weeks. My colleague, Jackie Pucci, who tracks the Ag Chem market for several publications in the Meister Media family, including Cotton Grower, will be joining me again in a few minutes to recap what and why this happened and what it means as we get closer to field prep and planting. So as you can tell, this is gonna be a newsy episode of the Cotton Companion, and we certainly hope you'll stick around for all the information and discussion. But first, we'd like to welcome Americott and the next gen brands of Cotton Seed as a sponsor for this episode. And right now, I'm going to turn things over to our custom content editor, Larry Allward, for a recent discussion with Dr. Doug Jost, who is next gen director of research in cotton germplasm.
1: Hello, this is Larry Allward, custom content editor for Meister Media Worldwide, publisher of Cotton Grower Magazine. And I'd like to welcome Dr. Doug Jost, Americott's director of research and cotton germplasm to this segment of the Cotton Companion. Welcome, Doug. Hello, Larry. Doug, thank you so much for joining us. Can we just start off by having you tell our audience what you
2: do for Americot and its next gen seed brand? Oh, absolutely. Um, well, like you said, I'm the director of research and cotton germplasm for AmeriCott, And I work with a, a team of seven germplasm specialists that are positioned across the cotton belt from, from Arizona to the Carolinas. And our group is responsible for testing pre-commercial candidates across as crosses, you know as many environments as we possibly can within our Americot cotton evaluation trials or what we call our ACE trials for short. When the new candidates are released and become a next-gen variety, our goal is to know as much as possible regarding their, their placement, their management, and, and their performance. And and really, Larry, this enables our sales team to more effectively sell these products with the greatest chance for success with our customers.
1: Excellent. We at Cotton Grower are getting to collaborate with AmeriCot later this spring when we head down to Lubbock, Texas, for the presentation of our Cotton Achievement Award to this year's winner, Ted Sheely, thanks to the generous sponsorship of AmeriCot, Can you just talk about what it means for AmeriCot to be able to support and shine a spotlight on people like Ted who lead this
2: industry forward? Well, in a, in a nutshell, Larry, it's an honor. Um, I believe Ameriton has sponsored the Cotton Achievement Award for the past four years. And, and it's great to be able to credit farmers who have demonstrated extraordinary commitment and leadership and, and innovation within the cotton industry. You know, guys like Ted don't always get that recognition and, you know, that they really deserve. And as a company, we're really proud to be part of that exposure for Ted.
1: Our winner, Ted Shealy has family roots over there in Arizona, and we know that's where a lot of seed production for next-gen seed happens as well. So next-gen seed has some roots in Arizona too, but next-gen seeds are bred to fit every region in the U.S. cotton belt, as we know, and three variety introductions from 2021, 3195 B3XF, 4190 B3XF, and 5150 B3XF, all seem to be making waves in every corner of the cotton belt. Doug, can you tell us
2: more about them? Uh, yes, I sure can. Uh, 3195 had a great start in our ACE trial testing program in, in 2020, particularly in the Mid-South, the Southeast, and the Carolinas. But you know, performance just didn't seem quite as strong in Texas as a whole uh, in 2020. But boy, we certainly saw a different picture in 2021 with this variety. Uh, it came to the top of many of our trials, especially in West Texas. And, you know, we had two completely different growing seasons between the two years, and it's most likely contributed to the difference in performance. Overall, it's going to be a very strong candidate for Americot going forward across the belt. Uh, 41.90, next year 41.90, had limited testing in 2020 due to availability of seed. So we were really excited to see how it would perform in 2021. What we did learn during the 2021 growing season is in its strength and performance in Eastern Texas, parts of West Texas, Georgia, and the Carolinas. For a medium maturing variety, it will certainly have an important fit and impact on those particular areas. And then next gen 5150 is a medium to full season variety that enables us to bring something new to the market that's really easy to manage and gives us more verticillium wilt tolerance. This variety certainly has a fit in areas, especially where Next Gen 5711 has been such a good performer in the past. And looking at an even newer
1: seed introduction, what can you tell us about the latest class of 2022 Next Gen release, 3299
2: B3XF? Yes, Larry, well, well, we we released just one variety for 2022. And as you said, it's Next Gen 3299. It's also a B3XF and it's an early medium maturing variety that we're really excited about. This variety has excellent heat tolerance, is easily managed, cleans up well at harvest, and has excellent storm tolerance and bacterial blight tolerance. This variety seems to fit and produce well in both irrigated and dryland environments. And, you know, our performance overall for this variety seemed to fit best in Texas, Oklahoma, Kansas, the Mid-South, and upper parts of the Carolinas and the Virginia area. It's all really exciting news for our listeners
1: uh, we sure know that, and we appreciate you joining us on the Cotton Companion. And we look forward to partnering with your team at AmeriCot on our Achievement Award luncheon in late March. And until then, we wish you all the best, Doug. And thank you for joining us once again, Larry. Thank you for having me. It's 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 a pleasure. Thank you, Larry, and Doug, for that timely
0: segment. And now to the news. The National Cotton Council held its 2022 annual meeting uh, February eleventh through the 13th in Houston. The industry was out in full force for three days of caucuses, committee meetings, elections, and special presentations. And as always, the most highly anticipated report was the announcement of the results of the council's 41st annual early season planting intentions survey. And that survey, which is based on input from producers from mid-December through mid-January, showed that U.S. cotton producers intend to plant 12 million cotton acres this spring that's up 7.3% from 2021. Upland cotton intentions are 11.9 million acres, that's up 7.1%, while the extra-long staple cotton intentions of 158,000 acres represent a 24.8% increase. Now, using the 10-year average abandonment rate for each state, cotton belt harvested area totals 9.8 million acres for 2022, Uh, with a U.S. abandonment rate of 18.9%. And using the five-year average state-level yield per harvested acre, generates a cotton crop of 17.3 million bales. That's 16.8 million upland bales and 438,000 ELS bales. Now here's how it breaks down by region. In the Southeast, respondents indicated a 3.7% increase in cotton acreage takes the total up to 2.4 million acres, with increases noted for all southeastern states except Florida, which is showing a modest decline. In the Mid-South, growers intend to plant 1.9 million acres, which is an increase of 14.6% from 2021. In the Southeast, growers intend to increase cotton acreage by 7%, up to 7.4 million acres. In the West, producers intend to plant 156,000 acres of upland cotton. That's down 14.1% from last year. But ELS acreage is expected to increase by 24.8% this year, up to 158,000 acres. Most of that is driven by the all-time highs currently being seen in ELS cotton prices. Now, we do have a state-by-state breakout of these estimated acres uh, on our website, at cottongrower.com, and so you can certainly visit our site to see that full report. Now, In addition, new leadership is also stepping up. 2022 for the NCC and its affiliated groups. Ted Schneider of Lake Providence, Louisiana is the newly elected NCC chairman. George LaCour of Morganza, Louisiana was elected 2022 president of the National Cotton Ginners Association. Carlos Garcia from Lubbock, Texas was elected the 2022 president of the Cotton Council International. And Nathan Reed from Mariana, Arkansas was elected chairman of the American Cotton Producers. Ron Rayner, Uh, an Arizona cotton producer with a long history of service to the NCC, received the 2021 Harry S. Baker Distinguished Service Award. And for the Jenners, Chris Breedlove was recognized by the National Cotton Jenners Association as the Horace Hayden National Cotton Jenner of the Year. And Jimmy Stover and Russell Sutton were named recipients of the organization's Charles C. Owen Distinguished Service Award. Now, again, information on all of the news from the NCC annual meeting, including uh, listings of all other officers and directors, can be found at cottongrowwork.com. Well, as I mentioned earlier, it's been an interesting week in the ag-chem world, with the February 11th announcement by Bayer that it was declaring a force majeure on glyphosate production due to a mechanical issue in the production chain. Here to review that situation and the industry reaction and current status is my colleague Jackie Pucci. Who's senior writer for Crop Life, Precision Ag, and Agribusiness Global Magazines, all of which are sister publications to Cotton Grower. Jackie, welcome back to the Cotton Companion.
3: Thank you so much, Jim. Thanks for having
0: me. Well, with growers heading into production year with existing questions about product pricing and availability, this really wasn't the type of news they wanted to hear. And it just kind of seemed like it dropped out of nowhere. Uh, can you give us a quick recap of what was a pretty crazy week and and explain exactly what force majeure means?
3: Sure. Yeah. So um, February 11th is when this letter surfaced from the Bayer global head of active ingredient manufacturing, declaring this force majeure event, um, saying that one of its key raw material suppliers suffered a failure at its manufacturing plant um, and that repairs would take three months. And so When it declared force majeure, what it meant was that its ability to supply customers with glyphosate or glyphosate-containing products agreed upon in certain agreements or under accepted purchase orders has been impacted. So it's saying it's this event that's out of its control. So therefore, it wasn't um, able to keep some of its agreements. Uh, So obviously, this worried people. I'm hearing about this letter that got out and on Monday, Bear responded to it and it seemed to kind of backtrack um, here in the US some of the, the statements that it was putting out. Um, by backtrack, what I mean is, it got a little bit more specific, saying that that this event wasn't going to significantly impact supply of branded Roundup in the U.S. That this was only affecting formulated products, third-party formulated products outside of the U.S. And there's just a little bit of confusion about that. And then also, they didn't mention that that they later did confirm that it was um, this. Manufacturing failure was at its Luling plant um, here in the U.S. So um, anyway, yeah, people were very uh, very worried about this because it was just Bear wasn't exactly being forthcoming in some of the details. And three months from now takes us into mid-May, which is well after the free season has begun.
0: Oh yeah, definitely. What kind of reaction did we did uh, did you hear from the retail industry on this?
3: Well, they were kind of saying that they had heard from their rep that that you know their supply wasn't going to be impacted here. Uh, but they're still worried because they don't have their allocations, a lot of them. So they're still fighting to find product to cover their needs for the season. So I talked to one person and uh, one retailer in Oklahoma, and he was saying he had been trying to find replacements. Um, but the alternatives are also short, Clothedim, Paraquat, all of these types of products. So he said that His area is going to most likely have to plow fields and, you know, they're going to just have to work through it. And then I also spoke with someone, uh, Greg Culp. He's with Mercer Landmark in Salina, Ohio. Um, He just says that prices he expects to continue going up. uh, Glyphosate right now is about three times. And he expects that it's going to be about four times what they paid last year and going to get tight for alternative products Um, if you, but if you ordered early, you should be okay. If you're waiting till now to order, it's going to be a struggle.
0: Anything from other sources. I know we have, you and I have talked before about some of the weed specialists have kind of seen this coming that they have, they've all come out, uh, fairly strongly with, in terms of this is what growers need to do. This is the type of alternate products they could be looking for and and things like that. Did any, any reaction from, from that audience to this?
3: Well, it's not exactly so simple as getting replacement products. It's just connected in so many ways to, you know, tank mixes that they're going to be using for other, even if they do get other products. But it's about um, reinforcing this need to plan early and having plan B, having plan C if need be, um, so that you will not have to resort to uh, hiring people to weed your fields or tillage if you don't do that already. Greg had also added that they're working, you know, with their manufacturer distributor partners to manage supply, be patient. Um, they're not raising their prices now to just the anticipation that they're going to rise, but is asking customers to, you know, just be flexible in the pricing because it's such a volatile market. They may, may need to raise prices later. But a lot of it is just, um, you don't really know what you have until it's in the shed. So a lot of... Um, I guess, nervousness about that going into 2022 season here.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Any, any indications on what's next?
3: Um, (laughs) I'm really sure, honestly, I guess we're just going to have to find out. I want to connect with the companies again this week. Um, just kind of find out what, what the developments are, you know, as we get closer now to spray season, but, um, yeah, I think people just trying to get things, in, get things in order.
0: I think that may be all they can do at this point. Yes. <laughs> well, obviously, it's a situation that we're going to keep watching. And, and you've done a great job tracking this story. And I certainly appreciate you taking time to join us today to give us a few more details.
3: Thank you, Jim. Yeah, next, if we find out more, uh, we'd love to come back.
0: Sounds good. We'll, we'll, we'll make that happen.
3: All right. Thank you.
0: Thanks, Jackie. Mm-hmm. And now to wrap up this chock full of news episode. Let's hear from Ted Schneider, the 2022 Chairman of the National Cotton Council. I had a chance to visit with Ted during the annual meeting in Houston, and here's how our discussion went. As we wrap up the uh, 2022 NCC annual meeting in Houston, it's my privilege to visit with Ted Schneider. He's the newly elected NCC Chairman for 2022. He's from Lake Providence, Louisiana. Ted, thanks for joining me, and, and welcome to the Cotton Companion.
4: Well, Jim, I sure appreciate the uh, uh, opportunity to visit with you and uh, thank you for your uh, support.
0: Thank you. Now, Ted, you've been involved with the council as a a director, a committee chair, an officer for several years. Uh, Tell me a little bit about your background, about your farming operation and how you got involved with the council.
4: Uh, I got involved, I've actually been coming to National Cotton Council meetings since I was six years old. Really? My dad uh, brought me and usually a brother or two for years. He was very actively involved in the council. Mm-hmm. Um, I finally figured out that he had to bring us because I had five brothers and sisters. <laughs> so it allowed him to keep participating. He, he told me uh, not long before he died that he... Didn't really like to farm, but he stayed in it because he loved the National Cotton Council. So it was ingrained in us from an early age. And uh, it was too late by the time I found out he (laughs) took me just to be able to come to these meetings. So it's been ingrained in me for years, and uh, I just feel like it's important to uh, uh, serve our industry the best I can. Mm -hmm. Is that something you're passing on to your kids at this point? It is. Uh, my kids have young children at home and uh, so they, are, they do want to be involved. I have one son uh, and he is actively farming. He's also a crop input salesman with Nutrien okay. and um, he does have an interest. He he's always talks to me about what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been involved in the LSU Ag Leadership Program okay. and uh, so he is starting his own journey. Is he farming with you, or does he have his own? He was farming with me, but he had an opportunity to go out sort of on his own, and um, so that's what he's doing now. We work together a lot, and uh, and um, he is my input supplier. He's your guy. That's right. He's my guy. <laughs> your, your connection, huh? Yes.
0: Okay. Uh, now, one of the words I associate the most with you, having kind of followed things for the last couple of years, is sustainability. That's right. Uh, you've been a real champion. for that through the sustainability task force and now through the U.S. Cotton Trust protocol. Um, Why is it important to you personally? Why is this so important to the industry?
4: You know, I've I've got some more in my history. I was involved with Cotton Council International for several years. I was an officer and then I was a past president and chairman. That exposed me to something outside of the producer segment um it it dawned on me that it really highlighted the fact that we are in the supply chain of a much larger industry yes Uh, the apparel industry is our customer the apparel industry is asking us to create a sustainability protocol they've got goals of buying sustainable sustainable cotton only by 2025 We've learned they need six million bales of that, of U.S. cotton. Um, so, you know, it, a, again, this is what our industry is calling for. We're, we're a cog in that supply chain, and we've got to meet the needs of our customers. How difficult
0: was it to kind of get people on board to, uh, to get these programs started?
4: We're still working on that. We've uh, got about 800 producers enrolled right now, which is... Um, uh, you know, in the second year of the program, we think we're making progress. Uh, the demand is there. The retailers and brands have really bought in. There's over 600 of those right now signed up uh, for the program. We, we've got still a lot of work to do to get up to that $6 bale bail mark by 2025.
0: Okay. Now, technically right now, we're a year away from the next farm bill.
4: That's right. And
0: uh, but there's some things currently going on, some actions starting to move, some listening sessions uh, going on already underway. What do you? Th- what does Cotton need to accomplish in, uh, in these areas?
4: You know, Cotton needs to just be at the table. We we are like <clears throat> what we have right now.
0: And I think that's probably fair. Yeah, absolutely.
4: So this year, in, in
0: you know specifically this year. Um, we know there's a lot of challenges out there for agriculture, not just cotton, but agriculture as a whole. Uh, what areas is uh, what areas is cotton really going to focus on this year in terms of you know, uh, program elements
4: and goals? Well, you know, at, at this meeting, we've we've talked about several things. So we've got a full plate of issues that we're looking at. Uh, we're looking at sustainability. Uh, we're looking at um, our merchandisers who took a major hit right. during COVID uh, were not included in any of the COVID relief packages. We're actively still trying to find a vehicle to provide that support. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're trying to ensure that uh, uh, crop inputs are still available working through and with EPA and uh, with several other groups to ensure, that specifically, dicamba is still available. That's a very important tool. Um, Uh, Again, we're working on Farm Bill, uh, starting those talks this year, the 2023's actual year will come on board. Disaster assistance for producers under the WIP program for 2020 and 2021. Uh, Climate change and conservation programs right now. We had a a good visit with Robert Bonney, an undersecretary of uh, Farm and Conservation Programs. And we're also working with EPO on the Clean Water Act. Okay
0: full plate that's not full just a full plate platter. that's a full platter yes it is as always as always yes. definitely now, now looking at the rest of the officer roster that's just been elected for 2022 it looks to me you've got some really good people we do on there uh, a lot of varied backgrounds to work with how valuable is that team going to be
4: it's incredibly valuable and, and, and i tell you the uh the former leadership <clears throat> is instrumental in developing the future leadership in this sure. organization. It's, it's a highly unusual organization and it involves every segment. And uh, they're very good about picking out people and putting them in spots to see how they do. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we've got to always have an excellent team of leaderships just based on the leadership, the legacy of leadership that has come through for this is our 86th meeting. Yeah. and uh, we go back a long way and uh, that legacy has continued up until today yeah I've noticed just walking around
0: visiting with folks that you know it's we're seeing we're starting to see that next generation
4: that's right moving into into this place it's, it's really nice to see a lot of young people Um mm-hmm. You know, I look around and I see a lot of gray hair. Uh, it's nice to see somebody with long, uh, curly hair that's the next gray. Hair. Hair. Yeah, <laughs> that's right.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, Ted, I know you've got some other obligations to uh, to get to. So thanks for taking time. Well, thank you, this. Jim. I uh, appreciate the opportunity. We're certainly, to yeah, we're certainly
4: looking forward to working with you this year. Thank you, me too.
0: And that's it for this episode of the Cotton Companion podcast. A special thanks to our sponsor, AmeriCot, and the Next Gen brand of cotton seed. Thanks too to Jackie Pucci for joining in and to Ted Schneider for taking time to visit with us as well. And as always, thanks to you, dear listeners, for joining us. If you like what you hear on the Cotton Companion, please be sure to spread the word and tell your friends about this podcast. Here's Miss Diane to let folks know where and how they can
4: find us. You can find the Cotton Companion in three easy ways. First, go to cottongrower.com forward companion or simply click the podcast tab at the top of the homepage. Second, subscribe to our channel on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts these days. And three, sign up for our weekly e-newsletter, the Cotton Grower e-news, that's delivered to your email inbox every Tuesday morning. You can do that by going to cottongrower.com forward slash subscribe. Also, be sure to follow Cotton Grower on social media. We are at Cotton Grower Mag on Twitter and on Facebook, you'll find us by searching for Cotton Grower Magazine. Cotton Companion
0: Podcast is produced twice monthly by Tyler Hatch and Kim Henderson, our talented colleagues at the World Headquarters for Meister Media Worldwide, in Willoughby, Ohio. My name's Jim Stedman. I'll be back with you in two weeks for the next episode of the Cotton Companion. Until then, let's all stay safe. Yeah he works and he works and he works and he works all day. God made for Yeah he works and it works